Hi, thanks for stopping by. My name's Kevin. I will soon be entering my fifth year of pastoral ministry in Sussex County, Delaware. One of my passions is sharing God's word every week with people. So however you're listening in, I hope you're able to join us and reply back through email or messaging. Let me know if you have any questions, but I thank you for listening in and I hope you'll be blessed with these words. It comes from Peter's first letter, the third chapter, beginning at the 18th verse. I ask that you hear these words of our Lord. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Through whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. This is the word of Christ, still speaking today. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. When I was looking at this scripture, I loved how right away it shares what we often call the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, how Jesus sacrificially offered his life he suffered on the cross and died to bring people to God. That death and the resurrection are tenets of our Christian faith. God becoming human, what we call the incarnation, again, is a basic belief of our faith. And it sums it up so well. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. Christianity 101 is summed up right in that verse. Now there's some parts of our Bible that we can't exactly be sure what they mean. And I liked how that's here too. The verse 19 in the first half of 20, it says, after, talking about Jesus, after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Now, I don't have time, but basically there's been three train of thoughts of what this means. And since we're not exactly sure, there's no need to really review them. It could mean any one of those three. But what can what common basic idea can we take from this? The spirits are imprisoned. Why are the spirits imprisoned? Because they were disobedient, disobedient spirits. Who were they disobedient to? God. So based on this verse, we can say it clearly shows that disobedience of God 
leads to punishment. The spirits have been imprisoned because of their disobedience. Now I want to briefly move and pivot into the story of Noah, which is probably one of the most well-known Bible stories. We love sharing it with our children. There's lots of books. And if you haven't read it in the scriptures lately, please do. I try and read through it a couple times a year. I'm just going to read two verses that are very important. Uh, chapter 6, verse 22, it says, Noah did everything God commanded him. And it says that in other parts as you read through it. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. The first verse in chapter 7. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Now something this, these verses, again, very simply they say to me is, Noah was right with God. He was found in right standing with God, righteous. Why? Because it says Noah did everything God commanded. Noah was fully obedient to God, and that saved himself. His obedience to God saved him and also Noah's family, it says. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives. That's eight. That kind of sounds familiar. Again, the second part of verse 20, in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. So again, based on these basic principles, these basic words, we can say disobeying God leads to punishment, obeying God leads to righteousness, being found right with God. And again, this isn't just these verses. As you read through God's word, it's kind of a theme. God says, don't do this, and the people disobey for various reasons. And usually there's some kind of punishment. And if we also see where there's people who obey God and they're declared righteous because of their faith. Now here's the problem. We all have as free-thinking, independent beings. If we have good reason for not obeying a law or a rule, we think, ah, I can just disregard that. I don't feel it's right. It doesn't apply to me. And we can't really, as people, help ourselves. We have these wonderful things called speed limit signs throughout our towns and countries and roadways. And yet people break the speed limits all the time. And we have these nice signs in grocery stores. Twelve items or less, express lane only. I'm in a hurry. They won't mind if I bring you thirty. And here's an example, when I, I heard of the flooding in Yellowstone a few weeks ago, it reminded me of this story from a few years ago, I remember reading, where there was a group that were going to the Soshan Geyser Basin in Yellowstone. Now, a park representative said, he carried the story, a ranger responded and found two whole chickens in a burlap sack in a hot spring. Now, the ranger found the group, and question them about their behavior before issuing citations. They were cooking chicken in the hot springs. Now, there's laws, there's signs in place to protect not only the park, but people, the hot springs, 
have temperatures that can reach up to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. People have been seriously burned. People have been killed because of the water in these hot springs. One man said, he and his friends did their best. We, we, we wanted to be careful. We double-packed the chickens. We had them inside a roasting bag, and then we put them inside the burlap sack. We didn't want to contaminate the waters. He said, the way I interpreted it was, don't be destructive, and I didn't feel like I was. Another member of the group says he saw the signage indicating they were in a closed area, but didn't think the signs applied to the springs themselves. He agreed the group wasn't doing any damage, but he added, I can see that we should not have done that. The result is that they, they had fines, they were put on probation, they were actually temporarily not allowed to go into Yellowstone Park. Disobedience leads to punishment. And I use this story because it really illustrates a truth in our world today. Maybe it's been all time, but I think it's really relevant in our world today that truth is often seen as objective. Our point of view determines our truth, what we believe to be true. So this leaves our interpretation of truth open to the possibility that what we believe to be true may in fact not be true. And here's why this matters. Even people who do their best, I'm not saying everyone purposely breaks the speed limits and the express lanes at the grocery stores. There's godly people who want to follow all the rules. They don't want to break any law. They want to obey God in all that he says. But actually, we are all, all people are incapable of doing that on their own. We can't do it on our own. And the reason for that is what's called in our Christian thought, original sin. And if I had an hour, I could break down exactly the importance of what original sin is and what it means, but I don't have an hour, so I won't. But very simply, it means that because we are born in and of this imperfect and broken world, we are born unable to obey God. And again, that's the story that runs throughout God's Word. God says, don't do this. And people do it. And even innocent babies, like Whale, our grandson, who will be baptizing shortly, they look so innocent, and they're innocent. But as they grow up, as Sheila and Jacob will be finding out, they become toddlers, and they begin to say, I really don't care what mom and dad say. In fact, I'll do the opposite. It's called testing boundaries. Welcome to parenthood. Again, people not being able to obey God, it runs through our Bibles. And that's why God had to come in incarnate in human form and Jesus was born to make the sacrifice to pay and take the punishment that we could not do on our own. We deserve punishment because we can't obey God. 
I hope that sounds familiar. Again, our first verse from today's reading. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. The crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is how we are able to have a right relationship with God. It's our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior that saves us. We're not saved because we're baptized. We have many divisions in our Christian faith, and baptism is one of them. Many uh, faithful people believe that you must be a certain age. You have to be able to confess and affirm what you're being baptized for. On the surface, that makes sense. There's also some who believe you must be baptized or you're not going to heaven. You must be baptized to receive eternal salvation. I reject both of those beliefs because I believe it's in error with what all of God's Word says. What I believe and what the United Methodist Church believes, what the full canon of God, I believe, informs us is that we're saved only with and through God's grace. And that's why I chose this verse. And I hope as I get ready to finish this off, looking at these verses, this will bring this understanding to your mind for consideration. Again, in our verses for today, in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the water. And this water symbolizes baptism that, sa- that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Eight people, Noah's family, were saved through the water. Why were they saved? Because of the faith, the righteousness of one person. So we could say... Noah's family was only ark of salvation because of the faith of Noah. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through the water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. And if we take this, that verse, that partial verse, it clearly says, baptism now saves you also. However, part of a verse, two verses, one verse, does not give the full context. When we're reading God's Word, we must understand the full context. God's Word is all of this. It's not a verse or two lifted up and put to what we want it to mean. That's why God had Peter, or whoever wrote this letter, add this. It's not the removal of dirt from the body but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God's word in the full context to me clearly says it's not the act of being baptized that saves us. And even in the Jewish faith, they had something called a a cleansing ritual where it was like baptism. They would be cleansed, washed, dipped, so that they would be called clean. Now, 
It says it's the pledge of a clear conscience towards God that saves. Some translations use, instead of clear conscience, they say an appeal. And actually an appeal is closer to the original language, but either works. Especially when we think of a person baptized as an infant. I myself was baptized as an infant. I have no memory of it. Yet, when we baptize the infants, they're initiated into the body of Christ with the pledge or appeal of the parents. And all the people gathered that day were all making a, a pledge and a commitment, an appeal to God for that little one. When the parents ask for a child to be baptized, they're actually making an appeal to God. We will not baptize an infant without the parents being there. We have to have at least one godly parent that's going to affirm their faith. Because when the parents are asking, I want my child to be baptized, they're actually saying, you could say they're saying, make room on the ark of salvation for my child. I want him to be on that ark of salvation. R.C. Sproul said this about baptism. He said, the sacrament of baptism is a dramatic object lesson, a visible sign of, a, of the spoken promise. The water, like communion, we have the, the bread and the, the wine or the juice, that's visible signs of spoken promises. Sproul continues, we proclaim the word of God in the presence of infants. They don't understand. And they probably, they won't understand the sign of the water that I'm going to sprinkle on him. Until it's explained to them. That's why we believe it's the responsibility for the parents and for the church to say to the child when they're older, you have received the sign of the promise of God. You received the sign of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and here's what it means. If you trust in the promise of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That's why we as United Methodists don't believe in rebaptizing. We don't do it. Because what we're, you're saying is, I want, I'd like to be rebaptized, because I don't remember it. I don't remember mine. We don't believe in it because then we're kind of saying that first baptism didn't work. It didn't take. It didn't have an effect. God failed to act. My faith, God never fails. I may fail. God never fails. And it's not the baptism that saves us. It's only through our faith, each of one of us, our faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. So then, why do we baptize? Daphne, again, she put it very well out there. Jesus did it. Jesus was baptized. And he commands us as followers to baptize. 28th chapter of Matthew, in the last closing verses of the Gospel of Matthew, go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptize and teach. We baptize and we teach. You can't do one without the other. Followers, it's not just the pastor, it's all followers of Jesus Christ 
are called to help baptize and to teach. Because baptism is the visible sign of God's grace given to us. When we are baptized, when we baptize the infants at any point in our lives, teenager, adult, once that person's baptized, they're placed onto the Ark of Salvation. Now, whether or not we stay on that Ark of Salvation, that's each person's choice. Baptism is an important part of our Christian faith, but it's not what saves us. Faith in Jesus Christ is what keeps us secure on the Ark of Salvation through all the storms of life. Once we declare and profess our faith and trust in Jesus, at that point we're declared righteous. John Wesley called that justifying grace. We're justified at that moment. Our eternal heavenly reservation is made. We're on the Ark of Salvation being baptized even as an infant gives us a seat on the Ark of Salvation as we prepare to celebrate the baptism of Whalen. May we all realize that our, our salvation is secure through our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.